Hey everybody, Pod Vader, Jay Soderberg here, and this week Joel Sharpton and I are always listening separately. I mean, I guess we're always listening separately, but this week we're recording separately, which should be a fun trick for Joel to try and put this puzzle together. It was fun. It was a lot of fun, in fact, putting this together. It was also way more work that I want to put into this show on a weekly basis. So regular recordings coming back next week. But there were a couple of big stories this week that we wanted to talk about. Unfortunately, we won't have that back and forth with each other. Joel will be able to listen to what I had to say, and he can react off of what I had to say and then present maybe some of the things that stood out to him. But there were really a couple of big webinars that we watched this week, which provided a lot of data for podcasters to really get their minds around, wrap around it, really give some thought as to how to go forward with their podcast, some really good actionable data to work off of. And I'll start with the Infinite Dial, the folks over there at Edison Research. This webinar was presented by, you know, my my manhood crush on Tom Webster and the podcast consumer uh, and delivered a lot of great information that we can work off of. The two things that I noted uh, that I thought were really stood out, and I tweeted these, that's how I know that they really stood out, was the number one activity that people are doing when they're listening to a podcast is nothing. That's right. Just like a Seinfeld episode, they're doing nothing, which I thought was very interesting because I'm never not doing nothing when I'm listening to a podcast. But the fact that that was the number one response uh, says a lot and gives you another idea of when you're producing your content for your audience and understanding what it is that they're doing when they're listening to that content. And we'll get into some of the other things that also came up. So I was incredibly surprised to hear this statistic that the number one thing people do when listening to podcasts is nothing. However, I do want to point out, and Jay's going to get to it in a little while here, that that's only the top response. There are many other responses that that people do, so I think we do need to consider that. I will add that it reinforces the idea that podcasting is a choice medium. It's one that people are selecting actively, they're involved with actively, they're listening to the full content, and as we see, they're not doing much else while they're listening. The second thing that really stood out to me about this you know, it was a stat that uh, I think I had been quoting for, well, for at least a year, that uh, it was something like 83%, somewhere in that range of listeners are listening to all or most of a podcast episode. This year, that number is now 93%. So not only is your audience doing nothing while they're listening to your podcast, they're listening to all of your podcast, which means they have your undivided attention. So if you don't think that they're listening to your ads, or if you don't think that they're listening to what you're saying, then you are highly mistaken because that's exactly what's going on there. A couple of other quick thoughts here on the podcast consumer reasons non-listeners do not listen to podcasts. The number one reason was podcasts just aren't for you. That was 75% of the applicants. Uh, that was their number one reason. That's a tough one to swallow. There's over 700,000 podcasts out there. You cannot tell me that there isn't a podcast out there for you. I guarantee there is one. This is an education thing. 
So it's something to follow up on. So what was number two? You don't have enough time to listen to podcasts. That was 51%. When everyone asks, how long should my podcast be? It shouldn't be longer than it takes to be. I'm, I'm going to maul the quote. I'm sorry, Dave Jackson, who says it all the time. But your podcast shouldn't be long longer than it is boring. Something like that. Basically, don't be boring. Once your content becomes boring, kind of like my rambling right now, then you should stop the podcast. One thing that was highlighted by Tom Webster, and it's something that's going around this past week in some guest articles, uh, 38% said you have to pay to subscribe to podcasts. And now there's a war on the word subscribe. This was something I'll even take, I'll give you a little quick preview of the tech survey. The tech survey... I mentioned that most podcast listeners are of an educated variety. They have higher degrees in college and postgraduate education. If you're going to tell me that those people don't seem to understand that the word subscribe does not necessarily mean you have to pay for that content, then there's a serious education problem in America, North America, the world today. I don't have as big a problem with subscribe. It's clearly... It's clearly something that was marked, 38% of the listeners who do not listen to podcasts, non-listeners do not listen to podcasts, it was a reason that they gave. There are articles saying there's no reason to use that term if it's confusing people. They could have a point, I guess is what I'm now flip-flopping back on, <laughs> is uh, the, war on, the war on the word subscribe itself, I think is a little misguided, but Make sure you, you're educating your potential audience that it is free content. That was, again, one of the top takeaways from the tech survey regarding AM, FM radio is that it's free and easiest to get to in the car. Well, podcasts are free. It's easier to get in the car, but not easier than radio stations. So let's hammer home podcasts are free. That should be something that we should be saying all the time. So another interesting point in both the podcast consumer and in the tech survey talking about how people discover podcasts. Word of mouth is definitely one of the number one things. It was number one on the tech survey by far, but searching the internet was number one in the podcast consumer at 73%, followed by social media posts at 67%, which one could argue social media posts would be included in the search of the internet unless searching the internet was specifically typing into a search engine to discover podcasts. And then recommendations from friends and family at 66%. So there is this idea that, I mean, we know cross-promotion cross works amongst podcasts, but now we need to start taking word of mouth to the next level. There is still room for people to discover podcasts whether it's via advertisements on other audio programs, advertisements on AM, FM radio stations, recommendations by apps with personalizations. How do you get your show featured on those recommendations? How do we build that portion up of our marketing? That's sort of the next step here for podcasts. Another big point about the advertising and podcasts from the podcast consumer the likelihood that the podcast listener would consider a brand that was advertised on a podcast, much more likely 17%, somewhat more likely 37%. 
neither likely nor unlikely at 39%. So you can see that the listener is definitely more likely than not going to purchase the brand that is advertised on a podcast, somewhat less likely and much less likely. That was only 7% of those responding. So you advertise in podcast, you're most likely going to see an action performed by the person listening to that particular podcast. That's what I took away from the podcast consumer survey. So let's find out what Joel had to say about that. My biggest takeaway was that it's a very good year for podcasts, or it was a very good year for podcasts and podcasting. That the investments that Jay and I and other people like us have made in this industry are good ones. (laughs) That they're paying off. I didn't get this from the podcast consumer report, but I got it from my own reports. I did my taxes this year, and my business, Pro Podcasting Services, grew 37% year over year. Profit grew 37% year over year. So that is a serious example of real people on the ground being able to make this industry work for ourselves. And uh, that's going to continue no matter what these big companies at the top do. That's my biggest takeaway. Second big takeaway for me was the fact that the 55 and over age range is underserved in podcasting right now. And I think just like the you know, the younger age group, uh, you know, 12 to 18 had previously been severely underserved. I think we fixed that in the last year, year and a half, two years, and we've seen a big spike in those numbers. I think we can see that same spike in seniors or near seniors and those age groups, 55 and above. My mom is in that age range. My father is in that age range. Neither one of them listen to podcasts on a regular basis other than mine. Uh, they don't listen to all of mine. So what can we do as creators and what can we do as producers, people like myself that run consultant businesses for other podcast creators? What, how can we steer people into mediums and topics, genres that will better serve that 55 plus? Because there's a real opportunity, I think, in that age range. That was the other big takeaway for me. My mom and I actually, we've got an idea for a podcast, I think, that's going to happen in the next year or so. So another webinar that uh, came out this week and was actually on Monday uh, was the Jacobs Media Tech Survey 19. Now, this is something that Jacobs Media has done for over 15 years. It is a survey uh, that they can split up by radio format. It actually features respondents that are part of radio station databases, usually something that they've registered for through maybe a newsletter or something like that. 519 commercial stations, 50,652 respondents to this particular survey. So it's a nice chunk of people. But again, remember, these are the people that are most engaged with a AM or FM radio station because they've registered for whatever information they can get from their local radio station. And as I mentioned earlier, radio, their number one reason for listening to radio is it's free and it's easy, especially in the car. And it's 71% of all respondents. It's 74% of millennials. So again, millennials are going to do what comes easiest to them. That might be a little bit of a stereotype, but easiest to listen to in the car, the number one reason by a long shot. 
what I also thought was a little bit interesting about the particular direction of this survey this year was, again, more listeners to radio stations are streaming video than streaming audio. Perhaps that makes sense because if they're listening, if they're a fan of that radio station, they're, of course, listening to that radio station for a majority of their listening experience versus streaming audio on another device. But it is interesting that that radio listener enjoys the aspects of on-demand video, but doesn't necessarily enjoy the aspects of on-demand audio, at least not at the same clip, at the same percentage. YouTube and Instagram use is showing year-to-year growth. We saw this a little bit in the from Edison Research as well in terms of the growing social media platforms. Instagram, definitely one of them. YouTube was also on the rise. And there has been some data that's showing that one of the number one ways people were finding out about podcasts is through YouTube. And so there might be something to putting your audio on that video platform. Now, there are good ways to do that and bad ways to do that. I'm not necessarily going to get into those right here and right now. If Joel wants to talk of that, feel free, buddy. But at the same time, it is something to maybe start considering in your marketing of your podcast to find a way to create a YouTube presence. It's not necessarily going to be one of those things, well, oh, I created a YouTube channel and now I'm not getting any listens to my podcast. I don't think it's going to be as easy as that, but I definitely think it's something to consider to add to some of the marketing that you're already doing, especially if you're at a point where you're looking to grow your audience even more and you've done all of the all of the standard things in terms of your social media platform, your website, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Pandora listening is definitely something that we've seen in multiple surveys is definitely dropping. It was at 43% in the tech survey back in 2016. It's now down to 30% in 2019. The rise of Spotify is definitely something that's taking a chunk out of that. So that's going to be interesting to see how quickly Pandora can get their podcasting initiative going to start competing a little bit more with what Spotify is offering. And it might be a little too little too late uh but they at some point you do kind of have to you know plug the holes and, and get things moving the sirius xm pandora merger hopefully we can see some movement there a little bit quicker smart speakers uh is leading to more am fm radio listening and i thought that was interesting as this came out of the tech survey again with radio listeners that smart speakers is also leading to more podcast listening and it comes down to, I think, competition. If you have a listen, an audio listening device and you have many different options, this was something that comes up a little bit later when it comes to connected cars. If there's more competition on what's easy to listen to on that particular device, then your content is going to be matched to that of a commercial radio station or something commercially produced at a high level. So remember that as you're creating your content and you're creating your podcast to be featured on a smart speaker, to be featured in a car dashboard, your competition isn't just the other podcast. Your competition is all the things that people can listen to on those particular devices. The number one reason uh, for listening to less radio is that 
there are more options uh, for those people to be listening to other audio type things. Uh, podcasts uh, specifically uh, was number 17 reason with 16% of the people responding that podcasts were the reason they were listening to less radio. Again, just actionable insights uh, from people that are responding from, you know, hopefully from a factual standpoint. Satellite radio is skewing older, which I thought was interesting. So the older generations, uh, the silent generation, the baby boomers, and a little bit of the Gen Xers are more likely to be listening to satellite radio in the car than the millennials and the Gen Zs. That could also go towards those are the generations with money to spend on the subscription that you do have to pay for to have satellite radio in your vehicle. This was one that I thought was especially interesting. 57% of respondents say the number of commercials on radio is tolerable. Only 6% stopped listening to commercial radio stations due to too many commercials. I thought 57% saying that the number of commercials is tolerable is a very, I mean, well, first of all, it's a majority. So that's a very telling statistic right there, especially when you talk to podcasters who are like, oh, there's too many commercials on the radio. There's, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have too many commercials on my podcast. Remember, your audience is doing nothing when they're listening to your podcast. And yes, you do have to be cognizant of their listening experience, but they're not going to turn your podcast off. They're not going to turn your content off because of an advertisement. They're sim it's simply not going to happen. They will tolerate your ads. I've, I've mentioned this to a number of people that I've spoken to in a one-on-one -on -one situation before, where you will always get an email if you're a content creator and you put advertisements in your podcast, you will always get the email from somebody saying, I can't believe you have ads in your show. I'm never listening again. By the way, those people are still listening to your show. But you will never get the email. And if you do, I want it because I want to frame it. You will never get the email. Man, I really loved that McDonald's commercial. It was hilarious. You're never going to get that email. Uh, and honestly, the, those ads do happen. I personally love the Geico commercials where everything can be explained by the person responding, I can save 15% or more on car insurance by switching to Geico. Like a little kid that comes up to mom and dad and is asking about how babies are born. 15%. Uh, that's brilliant and funny. I loved it. But I wasn't going to take the time to send an email to the podcast that I was listening to where I heard that particular ad and say, hey, that Geico ad, man, whew, it really got me. That was really funny. That just doesn't happen. People just do not respond to advertisements in that way. But remember, a majority of the audience that's listening to those ads in your podcast are more likely to purchase that particular brand the next time they need to make that purchase. So... Just a couple of things to think about there from the survey standpoint, from the webinars that occurred here in the last week. And now for something completely different, let's talk a little bit about the web front that is available for Apple Podcasts now. This was something that uh, actually the, the 
switch got flipped, I think, a little early, and then it got pulled back and then eventually rolled back out over the course of the week. But uh, it actually happened right after we got off the air last week uh, when it first started. But what has happened now when you search for a podcast, as long as it exists in the Apple Podcast directory, then uh, when you search for that podcast on the web, you will now get, instead of the previous results, which would point you and just say open in iTunes, you now get this nicely constructed page that looks nice on all sorts of different devices and screen sizes and in fact uh, will allow you to play the podcast right there you can listen to apple podcasts from the web now this is something that has been true for apple music for a while there's sort of a web front end for apple music that you can access and as a matter of fact if you have an apple music account there are third-party services you can log into i use one called musish m-u-s-i-s-h that gives you basically a different front end for Apple Music through the web, uh, and you can play all of your music through there. So this is sort of the same thing for Apple Podcasts. The cool thing about this now is that you can use this link and send it to someone no matter what device they're on, and they can, or, or whether they know about podcasting either, right? They don't have to know anything about podcasts. They don't have to understand what device they're on and whether they have an app for this. They can just follow your link and click play. That works now. Uh, it's not done, I would say. There are a handful of things that I think this is really setting up for the fall when we're going to get, as has been mentioned on this show before, a full podcasts app on the Mac side. I think this is preamble for that. But it may be, in the end, their basic solution on the Windows side. If you have a Windows PC, this may be the only way that you interact with the Apple Podcast directory moving forward. So you need to know that that's there. And if you want to go and get your link directly, just Google your show. Search for name of my podcast, Apple Podcasts, and it should be the top result or one of the top results. Open it up, look at it, check out how it looks individually, and then share that link. Save it for future use and share it with folks. And now they'll be able to access it no matter what device they're on. Very, very cool stuff. It's that part of always listening that was the reason this podcast even exists in the first place uh, until Joel and I decided to change it into something completely different. But uh, my recommendation for this week, uh, Game of Thrones Season 8, it just came back, it premiered. There was only one Game of Thrones podcast that had a new episode to react right after the show aired. And that was Post Show Recaps with Rob Sesternino and his co-host Stephen Fishback. You still have to wait for all the other ones uh, to come out with their reaction episodes. And I think that's something the pop culture podcasts really miss out on. It's something that I have a very keen insight into as being a sports podcaster who podcasted a show five days a week, reacting to those things that occur uh, is something that I need to do immediately. So I have that immediacy uh, built into me already, whether it's news or pop culture or sports, whatever it is. Pop, I think more pop culture podcasts should start considering getting their podcasts out, their reaction podcasts out to the pop culture things that are occurring, whether it's a movie, a TV show, whatever, as soon as possible so that your audience can start interacting with you as soon as possible. And I think that's another thing. I was talking with a producer recently about a sports podcast. Why is it that uh, the, with the influx of sports podcasts into this space, 
why why isn't the audience growing with that influx of podcasts? And it's the immediacy. I can go on to Twitter and immediately react to something that's happening right at the second that it's happening and get huge interaction from an audience. Whereas a podcast, even if it is after the show, it's going to take me an hour or two to get that show out there into the wild for people to start reacting to that particular audio. Again, it might not be in your best interest to do something immediately after that television show has aired, but at the same time, when I was looking for Game of Thrones podcasts to listen to, and I love a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts, I listen. not only do I listen to uh, Rob from Post Show Recaps, but I also love the Jay and Jack Network, they have a Game of Thrones podcast, I also love the Fan Sided Network, they have a couple of different uh, Game of Thrones podcasts, and even the big companies Entertainment Weekly have a Game of Thrones podcast and didn't have an episode right after. The Ringer has a Game of Thrones podcast and didn't have an episode right after the TV show aired. So these are things that I think as a podcaster, even if you're in a pop culture standpoint, need to start considering when to put more and more content out. Uh, First of all, let me throw in my own Game of Thrones suggestion. I listen to a show called Out West from the Outline Network which is about Westworld theories. However, they just did a special episode, and I think there's going to be more across the uh, eighth season of Game of Thrones. They did a special episode talking about Game of Thrones theories called Out Westeros was the name of it, and that uh, just came out the other day. So let me throw that suggestion in there. The podcast, though, that I am currently listening to this week is She Podcasts from Elsie Escobar and Jessica Kupferman. Uh, And it's not all ladies. It's produced, edited, and produced by my buddy John Buchanis, um, another member of the podcast editors group. Uh, on Facebook. He's a a great guy, a very good editor. It's a great show. It's a great podcast, particularly if you're a woman in our industry. I think that that's a resource that you would find a lot out of. But the reason why I am mentioning them uh, today in particular is because of this article that's going to be linked in the show notes from Podcast Business Journal. Uh, She did it. Uh, She podcasts live the first female-only podcasting experience or or woman's first podcasting experience uh, is a go. They've raised more than $25,000 so far. As a matter of fact, the total as of uh, April 16th was $38,737. She Podcast is an online Facebook community, over 12,000 members. That is uh, women only. The Women's podcasting conference. It's going to be a women first podcasting conference, I should say, because as uh, Dave Jackson has mentioned, and I've heard Elsie say, to men are invited. We are welcome to attend, and I'm going to try to attend myself, possibly. I've got some family stuff coming up at that same time, uh, a wedding that I'm supposed to attend, so I'm not positive that I'm going to be able to make this first one. The event is going to be held October 11th, 12th, and 13th in the Atlanta Marriott Marquis in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the Kickstarter was funded. They didn't even mention any sponsors or any uh, venue. They didn't mention the speakers. It was just about the event itself and the two ladies behind it. I think that's what really brought this. Um, Lots of stuff happening. There's going to be a one-to-one podcast coaching provided by a a station where successful female podcast consultants will be available for Q&A. There's going to be a program called Pitch Your Pants Off where attendees can apply to be chosen to pitch their show to podcast advertising agencies. They also plan on having a 
a ticket donation program. So even if you can't attend, uh, you or if you want to attend, but you also want to potentially contribute so that someone else can um, p- attend as well that, that might not be able to otherwise, that is a possibility too. Elsie uh, Escobar says that this event and even this community are an example of the type of impact podcasters can make when we reach out and make our voices heard. Elsie's done a tremendous job on advancing the ideas of equality in podcasting. And in particular, she's the only one that I hear talking about access, equality of access to podcasts and the fact that um, accessing these programs and this content is still sort of windowed in many ways because of the devices and the data that most of us use to access them and that those just aren't as available to everyone in the world for lots of different reasons. It's not just about uh, economics, but economics is a big part of it as well. So you can get all of the information at shepodcasts.com slash live. There's a link in the show notes as well for this. Um, And uh, I think the early bird tickets will be over as this episode is going out to you. But the, um, the prices are still very low in comparison to other podcasting events, and I do think this is going to offer a particularly unique take on this industry and medium. If you're, especially if you're a woman a podcaster, if you're a female or a female identifying podcaster, I would strongly suggest you try to attend this. But even as a man, if you're interested in these concepts of equality, of uh, strengthening female voices in our space, and expanding their access to the technology and the uh, know-how to use that technology to spread their voices, I think that it would be uh, a strong thing for you to consider as well. Congratulations to Elsie and Jessica, uh, two great people that uh, do a lot of good for this industry. So I'm very glad for them and I'm excited for this community to grow. There is my currently listening. All of the links for that and more are in the show notes. Jay, where can they find you? You can catch me on Twitter at the Real Pod Vader, uh, Facebook.com slash Podvader page if you want to see some of the things that I'm up to, or if you maybe want to hire me uh, to do some work for you. I will gladly consult, produce whatever it is you need. Uh, I am available to provide you with some podcasting solutions. Uh, nextfanup at gmail.com is probably the easiest email to get in touch with me. I check that quite often because that's my football podcast email. So, There you go. That's it for me. Uh, For Joel, I'm Jay, and we're always listening. I stole his line. You son of a... Yeah, I know I ain't seen it all, but I've seen enough. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. This ain't no life at all, honey, it ain't no life at all.
two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.